Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'! Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice fake by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside, delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown, it's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe, good one ride Kobe underneath, puts his nose on the line again, makes the basket, he's fouled. Oh, what a play! And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front, says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break, Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks, where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to a new edition of Kicks. Today joining us is my brother, the capo himself, Jim Jones. What's up, Jim? How you doing? What's up, bro? You know, it's such a nice day in the city today. Like, how did you get interest interested in doing the weather report that that eventually morphed into the drip report? A couple of years ago, I just did it on my terrace to uh make make fun but make light of what was going on. They had no power in Miami. It went viral. I kept doing it a couple times. Um then it turns into people telling me, yo, you need to do something with you need to do something with it. And and I started making a couple calls, found somebody that was interested, and now we hit. Word, man. So like the drip report is one of the best things on on Revolt right now. Like can you talk about the success that the um drip report has had from like now until um from when it took off up until now. Um, as far as Revo go, Drip Report is definitely one of the top shows on the whole Revo, statistically, and you know, just the feeling and the vibe. Um, shout out to Revo for giving me the platform and understanding what I had to offer. Um, also, it was great for the culture that Revo picked up the show. Um, this feels good to be in that space that uh created something out of just having fun and being me to now turning into a business and a business that's worth something, a business that's that people are actually diving into. So that's even it's even a better feeling. Is there like any chance of you doing like the weather on NBC or ABC one day? Um shit, I can't count that out. I mean, the weather is the weather and the object in life is to do better than your last play. And you know, if that's where it takes me, then God bless us. But right now Revolt is doing a pretty good job and I appreciate them for giving me the opportunity. If, Another platform comes along that takes me to another one of my goals that I'm trying to reach. And of course, can't wait to, you know what I mean? You know, part part of, uh, part of the Drip Report, like you highlight some of your favorite brands that you're rocking with. And me personally, my favorite collab this year is between um, Kit and the Knicks. Like can you talk about like how important it was for our city it was great to see Dipset in Madison Square Garden. It feels like both are synonymous with the city. You think of New York City, you think of Dipset. For us being kids from Harlem, that was kind of bucket list shit. Growing up, wanting to be a basketball player. 
ultimately everybody wants to play for the Knicks. So, you know, I didn't get to play for the Knicks, but I definitely got to play at the guard. So I'm feeling good. You're one of the best sneakerheads out there right now. So, like, can you talk about, like, when did your love for sneaker culture begin? Maybe around five, six years old. Maybe, like, when the year Stan Smith first came out. I can recall those vividly. Maybe, like, 81, something like that. Right. And can you talk about, like, how important Uptowns is for, like, New Yorkers, because I remember like back in the day, like all the hustlers were either wearing, you know, ups or um, Reebok classics or even Stan Smith's. Um, well, that's what people go always forget about. Before the ups were actually as popular as there was, there were Delta Force and there were Court Force. Those were the hustler sneakers when it came to Nike. The ups didn't come out after, the ups didn't start busting until after those were solidified as a hustler's sneaker. Now they all have a similar realm of how they look. You know what I mean? So of course, naturally we chose to jump into the ears, but first ones was the Delta and the Core Force. Let's not forget about those. That's a national Nike history that these young kids need to learn about when they think that Air Force Ones is the oldest Nike that made or that was, that's, that's not it. It gets deeper than that. <laughs> you know, um, what trapper has like the best sneaker collab out right now? Um, I don't really be into all the sneaker collabs like that. I just get whatever's fresh, like when Drake be doing the Jordans, like Travis Scott's be doing the Jordans, you know, whoever be doing some some Jordans and stuff that I like, then then I then I go get it. You know what I mean? Like I I, I pick it up. You know, I like, is, I, I like, I like the Fair of God. He makes he makes fly joints. When they be doing the Paris collabs, uh, they make fly joints. I got that. Like last year, I got the ones and, and the fives that they made at the Paris collab. Um, so there's a couple of joints I like. Dawn Becker, the Dawn Becker joints, they, those is fly, um, you know. You know, Jerry just went to Adidas, but I was hoping he would have um, came out with with a few more Nike collabs. Well, shit, I mean, I hope so. I, I was hoping too, but it seems that most of Nike's clients always end up at Adidas, and that makes me compelled to think that maybe Nike is not giving people the freedom that they would like to have over there to create what they want to create or maybe the businesses they don't offer the people the business that they feel comfortable with because they want the Yeezy, Lorenzo want the Yeezy, a couple other, I mean not Yeezy want Adidas, a couple other people want Adidas and as we know Nike is pretty much the coolest sneaker out there like Yeezy makes one sneaker so that cannot combat with what Nike does as a whole and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But I don't know, man. I mean, to me, as a kid, or as a dream, I would like to be in business with Nike the whole way, like really do some sound business. But I don't know how that works when these people that have, you see, make dope-ass products off Nike end up taking their talents to Adidas. You know, and um, I would love to to see a collab with, with you and Nike, like, down the line, because, because you've been advancing the culture for at least 25 years now. And the Capo Fives kind of have a little ring to it. Um, Yeah, but I think Capo just wearing their sneakers and making them look good is better for them. So maybe me getting a Nike sneaker deal might not never happen because they probably feel I'm more powerful just as a free ambassador because I love Nike so much and I make them look so good when I put it on with the drip, period. You know, um, since since the quarantine started, did your sneaker purchases kind of just stop or like, did it get worse since you were like at home? No, I'm vested. I'm vested in 
a sneaker store, GBNY. So when it comes to sneakers, I'm pretty much fit. Whether it's the quarantine, the world stops or don't stops, them shit still pop up on my on my doorstep. <laughs> All right. So like one of the best parts of quarantine was when you started Quarantine Studios. Like, how did you um envision that when you started it? Um, just trying to figure out different ways to make money when they said the world had stopped and everything was shut down, including studios and gyms. And for artists like us, we depend on the shows on the road and the tour where we go pick up our back ends and that kind of froze. So I had to think outside the box and figure out how I could use my artistry to make some money so I could continue living the way I like to live. Like, do you kind of see the music industry going like in a virtual direction? even after COVID is over? Oh yeah, definitely going in the virtual direction. That's natural progression. Like from deep as the iPhones, there's no way around it. It's like seeing the Jetsons ain't gonna happen. <laughs> that shit is happening before our eyes. You know, did the process of um, setting up quarantine studios kind of take you back to like earlier in your career? Like when you first had your very first home studio? Yeah, definitely felt reminiscent like deja vu of me figuring out the loop per se or me figuring out the matrix and the first time i did it i didn't capitalize nearly the way i should have this time around i gotta make it i gotta make it count so like how does it feel um because like you basically created a new platform for new artists and producers and you're basically giving back to like a whole new generation of artists um it feels dope that's my that's my duty to give back you know what i mean like i've been very uh blessed in my time with the successes that i have had and being able to make money and you know with that comes with a responsibility to always give back and that's just the way we was brought up where i was from we we watched the hustlers make lots of monies off of things that destroyed our community but for some reason it always seems that they turned around and made sure that the kids had in the midst of these tough situations. And that goes a long way. That's testament. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's a way to do bad and do good at the same time, but these were some of the things that they were doing. And those type of traditions, as I move further in businesses, are the things that are, a few attributes that I like to hold on to and push it forward. Like you always had like an entrepreneurship type of spirit. Like you started Quarantine Studios. And you also started um, Saucy, which is one of the most important things that you ever done considering, you know, the times that we're living in. And um, I just recently read that that New York might be moving towards um, legalizing marijuana. Yes, um, they're definitely moving to legalizing marijuana as they put some things in place where it's kind of legal right now or legal consumption here or however it goes, but for the most part, they started the legalization of marijuana in New York City, which is extremely big. Mm -hmm. And um, as they move forward with that, you know, I think they should, you know, release everybody who's um, who's in jail for decades for like small mm -hmm. marijuana crimes. I think that's the first thing that they should do. A hundred percent on this thousands and thousands of people that's police in front of you too there's thousands yes there's thousands of paramedics you see it say paramedics 
It's thousands and thousands of people that's locked up or incarcerated due to marijuana uh, convictions. And these are one of the things that they need to work on right now is letting all these brothers and sisters out because they don't need to be in there as they make it uh, marijuana legal all over the country. All right. So like what kind of separates Saucy from like other brands and like how are you guys changing the perception of um, weed culture? Um, well, we bring a bit of a lavish lifestyle, kind of a New York pace uh, swag to it. Like the drip is different when it comes to us. We, you know, like California has their own way of their, their own weed culture and the way they do the weed culture. And New York is a bit different. So by being able to open up a saucy brand of marijuana, we were able to give uh, people the weed world a little bit of what this New York style is like when it comes to handling this weed business, the smoking weed, the tasting weed, how the aesthetic, everything. It's a luxury lifestyle that everybody can get involved with. You know, last year you had the 420 virtual joint. Like, are you going to do something similar this year? And if you are, like, who are you bringing out? Uh, this year, hopefully, we could do something a little bit better than virtual. So uh, let's see what actually happens. Um, maybe you got a couple surprises. Um, so we working on that right now to actually see if we could do something more in person than virtual. You know, um, I was really surprised when I seen that you had your own cryptocurrency. Like you really have your hands in everything. Like what kind of inspired you to get into the crypto game? Well, I've been in kind of this whole crypto tech space for the whole uh, duration of the pandemic. So the more I, I get into it, the more I learn about it. Um, and just starting to hear the culture talk about it uh, all the time on Clubhouse and all these different platforms and seeing the artists starting to question it. So I, I, instead of me being on that bandwagon, I want to do something actually to bring it to life. Instead of talking about it, instead of investing in this, trying to figure out what stock to go into, I want to create the stock and see how far we can take it by using our culture to help propel my coin and not my coin it's a community coin so trying to build an ecosystem by using the social currency and all businesses around us where we can use the social currency app and therefore we need the community we can't do anything without the community a real big old community you know and i feel that crypto is the future of all currency like in about maybe like 20 years or so i think the dollar is going to be phased out yeah, maybe before that, as they slowly but surely doing that now. And, and um, crypto, like with crypto, I think it'll create more millionaires and more billionaires than being an athlete or being a rapper ever did. You have a point there because you don't need to have no extraordinary skill to learn about crypto. You just have to have a sound mind and know what common sense is and know how to add. Yep, yep that's... um. That's pretty much how it that's pretty much how it is. But um like so since you have your hands in everything, like but music is like the constant. You have a new album out, the fraud department, you know, it has a soulful sound to it. Like you talk about like the creative process when you when you were putting the album together, the album together. Um every album is a different creative process. Um Harry Fraud was actually uh, one of the people to help me figure out the Quarantine Studios um, platform. Right? And we actually, 
done the whole Harry Four album on that platform, and I haven't even met him in person as yet. But we started recording the album in the beginning of the pandemic when they shut everything down, and God bless when the George Floyd tragedy took place. So the climate of what was going on around us was very edgy, like everybody was on edge, and it's kind of what my music reflected if you listen to the project. And that's pretty much how I do my music, though. Good journalists got to reflect the sign of the times, and that's all I'll be trying to do as I get older and give people more content addiction to get into. What was it like working with with Harry Fraud? It's dope, dope dude. Um, definitely different, has a different mindset, approaches things from different angles, very techie. Knows a lot about computers, you know what I mean? So it was dope. It was different than being with the average producer who's used to doing the cliche things when it comes to production. And there's nothing wrong with that because I've made hits from that. But you know, this is mindset and this vibe and this energy was a little bit different. He got more of a surfer, a surfer type of vibe, like, like a heavy white boy type of vibe, which is cool. You know, while we're talking about music, is there any chance of us getting a new Dipset album or a new? Um, solo Jim Jones album because the streets need it, man. Both both are in the works. Um, I got to drop the Scram Jones project I'm doing. Then I did a Young Bird hit, Heat Makers. I mean, Hit Makers part of it. Now he make a shout to Austin. Then I did a Young Bird Hit Makers project album that's due in the summer. Once I hand that album in, I'm going to sit down and start to record the uh, audio biography of Jim Jones. You know, like who would be a good versus matchup for Dipset? I don't know. It's not too many out there. I mean, might gotta go get Easy E, tell him come back for a second to kind of do the NWA versus Diplomats. That might be that might be accurate. Shout out to Easy E, RP Easy. Yeah. How about um? How about G Unit? Because like both you guys were popping at the same time, uh, like back in the day. I don't see it happening. I don't see it making sense. I don't see the comparison. You got 50 who had a whole slew of number one hits where we can't take that in the way, but anything else across the scoreboard, it's really no match and no comparison. Styles, music, rhymes to the way we was moving in the city. Man, we was outside, outside, but the boys was tucked inside. <laughs> you know, like the Dipset logo is um, so iconic. Um, and when I see that logo matched up with the Knicks logo, like that's something that I would that I never thought would that I would see. But like, um, how happy are you? Like, how 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 happy are you to see that the Knicks are finally doing something well? Um, I'm ecstatic to see the, to see the Knicks are really getting busy like that. Um. You know, it's been a little rough road for them. They had to uh, get they get they act together, but to see them coming on strong right now is real dope. Plus, period. Besides that, whether they was winning or losing, just to have a diplomat logo on the Knicks jersey is retarded. If you ask me, you know what I mean. So that's pretty dope. You know, I think they should rock that one year for All Star, or get off, get or off. just or just make that like their make that their official um home uniform for that their city fun. jersey oh, hey. 
Dallas. At least one time. He was actually trying to work. Yeah, we was work. We was we well. Hopefully, maybe it might happen the first year. We definitely inquired a couple times about how can we get them to play one of the games in the Knicks in the actual Knicks in the, in the diplomat Knicks uniform. So you never know what happens. Do you think that Tibbs can take them not all the way, but at least to the playoffs? Now you're talking tricky. You know, dealing with the Knicks, man. You can you can never know, man. Sure. So. I just like to keep my fingers crossed and wish them nothing for success. I don't want to put nothing on it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. Like, and Julius Randle, he's playing like the best ball of his career, but he needs help. Like, who you think would be like the perfect co-star for him? See, now you're getting too different. I know I, I, I haven't been on basketball the way I used to be, so I couldn't give you no mm-hmm. choices as to why I'm probably stuck on the big names out there and, and, and shit like that. You know what I mean? When I was younger, I was a basketball fiend. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing you couldn't tell me about. I could tell you about people's benches, starting five, everything. But you know, I've been around this for a minute. I, I probably stopped following basketball like that in the 90s and shit like that. I was preoccupied with making money and trying to become a, a professional myself. You know what I mean? But I do tip my hat to all the athletes who I don't know on a first name basis. I'm bad with names, but the ones that I do know, they know how I give it up. You know. You know, what type of hooper were you back then? Like which player would you compare your game to? What player would I compare my game to? I like a spree Spreewell game. John Starks is one of my favorite uh people. Spreewells is one of my favorites. Rod Strickland was one of my favorite. Um I say this, I wasn't too much into bruising, and I don't think that me and Cam ever lost a basketball game playing together. Um, Cam was probably top three nicest in Harlem of all time, and I, I say that with my chest out since the age of 15. So in order to be in that group, that, that, that level of playing basketball, I got busy myself, and I was always asleep when, Cam, when me and Cam used to play ball because people didn't know me for that. They knew me for other things coming up, but they knew Cam for playing basketball. And Cam, me and Cam would get on the court, go crazy with everybody right there. Just like I told them at the All-Star game, I think it was Quavo and the other dude. Man, me and Cam would have had a field day with them, like whole a whole field day. A whole field day. We, we really get busy on that ball court. Like, I don't, no jacket, no capping. You dig? Like, you're dealing with people that really, really got busy. Like, I'm, I just went in a different direction the, the, the year I was supposed to play uh, varsity basketball for Carlo Hayes I ended up getting kicked out so that was that but when it came to basketball that was like every day for me for years and you know just watching Cam ball it's just uh, it's, it's part of me it's, it's a Harlem thing what's like the best basketball story you have like with hooping with Cam or like with Sham got or or even Mace just walking with Cam up the 55th from downtown to go to the go to the Rucker game and watch Cam the All American get on the court and kill these old niggas at the age of 15 and we 20 30 deep going crazy for Cam little teenager dirty niggas in Rucker Park and Cam's playing with the big boys and going ham scoring 20 25 19 10 assists what you heard so those are the moments I remember the most like Cam was really a baller. Baller, baller, baller. You can put him on the court with anybody wholeheartedly. I remember when we played Rock and Jock for MTV and we was playing against Stoudemire and Cam was playing against Stoudemire and Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett and Stoudemire had to start playing real ball. 
because Cam started hitting them with that shit. They was like, oh, no, 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 no. They had to put, they had to really start, you know what I mean? So it's a couple of good basketball stories, man. Like Cam, Cam is a real ball, man. Word. All right, man. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Like you're a legend who continues to transcend the game. Like, do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Um, Scram Jones is slated to drop next month. Um, Hitmakers, Young Berg project supposed to drop in the summertime. Uh, Quarantine Studios is out. Vamp Fit is out. Um, clothes is out. Capital Coin, you can go buy Capital Coin. Cryptocurrency, we selling NFTs. You know, it's the year making money. Get you some.